Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 110th program in this series. In the previous message, I was in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 14, This is the Lord's Prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer in the sense that he is praying to his God at the end of his ministry. He is living as a man, even though he is God manifested in the flesh. And in the previous message, in verse 14, Jesus said, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And in the previous message, I explained that the way that a person comes out of the world is through believing the truth. Our God has initiated a relationship with people by expressing the truth, the truth of himself and, of course, the truth of us as well. And through expressing the truth, making that known, through exposing that, and in this case, this was his ministry, the ministry of the Lord Jesus, was to expose the truth of God. And when he did this, people were confronted with the truth and people made a decision. And they still make decisions today. People make decisions with regards to whether or not they are going to believe what God has said. This is a decision. When people decide not to believe what God has said, it's usually because they are concerned about the consequences that they will have to endure if they do believe or if they embrace that truth in their lives, knowing that this is something that has been said by God himself. People in general know that it is the truth. It is an intentional rejection of the truth. It is a decision to live in the denial of reality. And in the previous programs, I explained that One of the ways to describe these kinds of people is to describe them as being irresponsible, that this is one way that we can divide people up in humanity between those who are irresponsible and those who are responsible. There are, of course, many ways, and this is just one approach that I'm using in presenting John chapter 17. The irresponsible are people who intentionally live in denial of reality The way that they solve the problems of life is through lies, through deception, through manipulation by trying to get someone else to solve the problems of life for them. This is a decision. And when a person decides to embrace the truth of God, these people will hate those who decide to embrace the truth of God. And the reason why is because if you decide to believe the truth that God has revealed, then you are going to, by default, expose those who live dishonestly in these different ways. Just your existence, your testimony, who you will become as a person, 
will be a person who will expose the dishonesty, the manipulations, the falsehoods of those kinds of people. And they will hate you for it. There is no way around this. Then there's the other group of people that I described who are the responsible. You can consider the irresponsible and then the responsible kinds of people. Well, the responsible kinds of people, they may live honestly. They may live with integrity. They may decide to solve the problems of life appropriately. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to embrace the truth of God either. They will have their own kinds of obstacles. And if they decide that they are going to reject the truth of the Lord Jesus, reject the truth of the living God, even though they may live as very good people. And in fact, you could probably find many people who reject the Lord Jesus, who reject the gospel, reject the living God. You may find them to be people of greater integrity than others who are Christians who say that they believe in God. It really depends on the person who you meet. And so I'm just speaking in generalities. You do have to consider each person as their own individual. But the responsible kind of person will hate you also. They will hate you because you will expose that they have rejected the living God. They will therefore hate you for similar reasons that an irresponsible kind of person would hate you for. But then with the responsible kind of person who will assume personal responsibility for themselves, in general, these are people who are candidates to embrace the truth of God because they will embrace the fact that they are sinful and they have a need for forgiveness, whereas an irresponsible person would just totally deny that. They may embrace religion to some extent, but it will be part of their life of deception and manipulation. It won't be an honest recognition of the existence of God. It will be a dishonest recognition. But for the responsible person, in general, they can have an honest recognition of the existence of God. They will recognize their need for forgiveness. They will embrace the forgiveness of God. However, these are people who will often embrace the Old Covenant or a derivation of the Old Covenant, or they will even embrace the way that Jesus described the Old Covenant, which was what he taught during his ministry. What happens is, is that these people become very religious, and they will compare themselves with the irresponsible kinds of people and the non-religious, and they will hate those people, but they will hate you also if you embrace the New Covenant because you will expose the fact that they are not as perfect as God, they are not holy, they are not sanctified as they claim to be, that they still do not meet the standards of perfection as God defined what would be required in the Old Covenant and as Jesus expressed during his ministry. As an example, with the Sermon on the Mount, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, and he gave several examples to include saying you must be as perfect as God or you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. But there are religious people who will still believe that, well, if you get close to it, then that's good enough. Or if you can compare yourself with enough other people who are not as good as you are, who do not obey as well as you do, who do not repent as often as you do, 
as long as you can find someone to compare yourself with, then supposedly that makes it okay or close enough or good enough. Well, those who know the new covenant know better, and we will expose just by our existence, just by our beliefs, just by the way that we live, by the way that we communicate as well. We will expose the falsehoods of these beliefs and these people will hate you as well. So the world is composed of people who reject God, and it also has people in it who accept God, but they do not embrace the new covenant. And we become separated from the world when we embrace the new covenant and believe the truth of our God. Now, Jesus was referring to his disciples. He was praying about his disciples, and he was concerned about how the people would relate to the disciples. But if you follow through with what happened, as was recorded in the book of Acts, you will discover that, sure, things started out a little rough, and the people did not like the disciples so much. They did not like the people who believed in Jesus as the Messiah and who proclaimed that Jesus was resurrected. And so there was a period of time of persecution. There was a period of time of hatred. But if you keep reading, you discover that over the years, this hatred kind of disappeared. Consider, for example, Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21, beginning in verse 18. This was when the Apostle Paul returned to Jerusalem for the last time. When he went to Jerusalem, the believers, the people who believed in Jesus as the Messiah, met with him, and yet they did not really embrace the new covenant, not as he described it. Beginning in Acts chapter 21, verse 18, it says, On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed and they are all zealous for the law. Look at that in verse 20, if you have your Bible open. In verse 20, Acts chapter 21, verse 20, And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. Yeah, they glorified the Lord about the testimony of what the Apostle Paul shared. But then that was it. And what kind of glory in the Lord was that really? They glorified the Lord? Did they glorify him in the sense of, did they really know him? Did they really understand? What really was that about? Well, if you keep reading, you can see that the way that they relate to Paul is as if he said nothing. It is as if he did nothing. It is as if he is nothing. That what he says, that what he believes, that what he reveals is false. Because what they say afterwards is contrary to what he was doing. They said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law? That is definitely not what Paul was teaching. You do not believe in Jesus 
and be saved and be born again by the Holy Spirit so that you can be zealous for the law. You are saved from the law. This is what forgiveness accomplished. It's part of what forgiveness accomplished. It accomplished freedom from the law. The law demanded obedience or death. Jesus died on our behalf. That was the part of forgiveness that set us free from the Mosaic law so that we could live in another way of life. And the other way of life has to do with discovering the inheritance that we have received as a child of God. And we live with the inheritance that we have in Christ. We live with what we have been given. Living by the law has to do with obedience to the commandments of God such that you may be blessed by God. It has to do with living so that you can get from God. Repent and obey and you will receive something from God when you succeed. And if you don't, well, you could be at risk of being cursed. That's living by the law. This is what they were zealous for. Well, the new covenant has nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with living with what you have already been given because of what he has done. In the law, you do so that he may give to you. In the new covenant, he gives to you so that you may do. But this is not about doing what is right and doing what is wrong. This is about changing who you are and giving you what you need in your spirit Your need for love, your need for acceptance, your need for meaning, understanding, purpose, discernment. There are many things that we need that can only come through our relationship with God. And these are not offered through the law. It has nothing to do with the law. So what they testify of in verse 20, in Acts chapter 21, verse 20, is that they're going nowhere. Absolutely Nowhere. And in addition to this, I want you to understand that this is why they were not hated by the world. The world that they were a part of was the religious world. It was the responsible world. It was the world of people who lived by repentance and obedience, who lived believing in God, who lived so that they might be blessed and not be cursed. They lived by the Old Covenant devotion to it. So, of course, they are not going to hate those who believe in Jesus who live by the law anyway because it's just a matter of time before you discover that regardless of whether you believe in Jesus as the Messiah or not, it just doesn't matter because you will be so consumed with the Old Covenant that it won't matter. There is no difference. And this is why... The disciples who were there in Jerusalem were free to be a part of the world because as far as the world was concerned, these disciples were a part of them. They were a part of their world. This is not what Jesus had in mind when he spoke of the world hating the disciples. You see here towards the end of the ministry of the Apostle Paul, many years had passed. Towards the end, there was such a change in the believers in Jesus in Jerusalem, there was such a change that took place that no one hated them. And this is not what Jesus had in mind. Continuing in Acts chapter 21, verse 21, but they have been informed about you, that you teach all the Jews 
who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. And you can go on and read the rest of Acts chapter 21 and see that there is no reason for the world to hate these disciples of Jesus or these people who claim to be disciples of Jesus. I wouldn't mind suggesting that these people are saved, that God will recognize at least some of what they believe and that they are in a transition of going through the Old Covenant to make it into the New Covenant, and their belief in Jesus will quite likely give them a place in the kingdom of heaven. I am thankful that I don't have to make these kinds of decisions. But I remember when I believed in Jesus as the Messiah, and I lived this way, being zealous for the law, I would like to think that I was saved back then, believing in Jesus at least to the extent that I did, even though I had a very poor understanding of the New Covenant at that time. I was at least beginning. I was starting. I was a baby in Christ, but I grew. And so it could be that many of these people were able to grow closer to the New Covenant over a period of time, but we do not have a historical record of what happened. But I wanted to show you this and so that you could see that not everyone is going to be hated. Not everyone was hated, and the reason why was because These people did not leave the religious world, the part of the world that was religious, but did not embrace the new covenant. Moving on into verse 15, in John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So Jesus prayed to God that the people would not be just taken out of the world. I have encountered a lot of people who say that they believe in Jesus who are just waiting for God to take them out of the world. They pray for that. I pray for death. I pray for the rapture. I pray to come out of this world. Not even Jesus did that. He prayed the exact opposite. He prayed that we might be in the world, that we might stay in the world. This is the first half of verse 15. The other half of verse 15 has to do with keeping us from the evil one. That's something else. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But with regards to being in the world, this is a big deal. For us to be in the world is what our God wants. He wants us to be separated from the world in the context that we believe the truth, but he wants us to stay in the world. There are many wonderful things, many good things that result from us being in the world. Now, I understand that there's a lot of suffering. I understand that we all will encounter our own sufferings of life and that this is just a part of life. But suffering is a wonderful opportunity. Through the sufferings of life, we discover or we have the opportunity to discover a lot about our God, and our God can share a lot of things with us as he walks with us through the sufferings of life. And so if we were not in the world to experience these sufferings, then we would not have these opportunities. God would not have these opportunities with us, 
And we would definitely miss out on a lot when it comes to growing to know our God. There are circumstances and situations, there are things about this world that give us an opportunity to know our God in ways that we will not have when we are no longer physically in this world. Please understand that we live in a very unique era of time. We live in the time period between Jesus' resurrection and his return. During this time period, there is an opportunity for us to grow to know our God that was not possible during the time before and will not be possible during the time afterwards. So whoever God gets during this time period between the resurrection and his return, whoever he gets, however well we are able to grow and mature, we become a unique tribe of God within the kingdom of heaven, a unique tribe of people. And there will only be so many, but we live in this time period where we have the opportunity, the opportunities to be a unique person in comparison with all those before and all those who may be after. And this is very much connected to and related to the sufferings and the struggles of life while we live in the time period of the new covenant. Now, Jesus will also go on to explain that another part of this is that we might be able to reach out to the people who are still in the world. We came out of the world through our belief in the truth. There are others who may be able to come out of the world who may believe in the truth as well. So he, in effect, sends us to people in the world. And who are these people? These are people who hate you for the various reasons that I described earlier. Because, in effect, we cause a disruption in their lives. By presenting the truth, we cause a disruption in the fantasies that people want to live by. And we cause discomfort in their lives. But you know what? The world will cause discomfort in their lives as well. Other people who definitely reject God will cause disruptions in their lives. They will experience great discomfort in their lives. Some people will experience this more often than others, but either way, people are going to experience these moments of discomfort, these moments of disruptions. And in general, when people come to a point in their lives When life has changed so much for them that they have to redefine their lives, it is at this time when, for the most part, people are more open to considering the things of God. And even though they may have hated you, even though they may have caused you a lot of discomfort, these are moments when they might be willing to receive what you have had to say to them before or what you may say to them at the time when these changes take place. Because yes, what you believe, what you live by, the reality that you're going to testify of may be uncomfortable. It may cause a disruption. But if it is less disruptive, if it is less uncomfortable than what is going on in their lives in the world, they may very well consider Embracing the things of God. This is a common transition that many people make when they finally decide to surrender to the new covenant.
And our God leaves us in the world so that we may be participants in the work that he is doing such that there are people who might believe during these times and be saved. So for our part, we are to discover our God, know our God. We are to experience the peace and the joy that he gives to us. We are to know and understand the inheritance that we have received in Christ. We are to let that be an integral part of our lives, and our testimony should grow and grow and become more refined the more mature we become in our relationship with our God, so that when these opportunities present themselves, we are prepared to be able to testify of the truth, testify of the living God as a person, answer questions that people will have in a true and productive way, and help people move forward in the direction that they need to go so that they also may be saved, may come out of the world, and experience what you are able to testify of if you have, in fact, been growing in Christ through the New Covenant. Now, the other half of verse 15 is about keeping us from the evil one. And I am out of time in this program, and so I will have to continue in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 110th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I was in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. I spent a little bit more time speaking about the issues related in verse 14 with regards to the people in the world hating you and why they would, not just the people who reject God and reject Jesus, but there will be people who do believe in God and do believe in Jesus to an extent who will hate you also, and it's because they still live by the law, they still live by the old covenant, And if you grow in your understanding of the new covenant, you will know a different way of life, which is living by your inheritance in Christ. In verse 15, I spoke about Jesus praying that we not be taken out of the world. And in this program, I explained a few reasons why that would be good for us to remain in the world as long as we are able. And I will continue in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,